today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We don't know what it's going to be called yet, but uh, the Toronto City Manager has done a report uh, with support from the mayor, by the way, to change the name of Dundas Street in downtown Toronto. Global's Dave Woodard has the details. We're really happy the city reached the conclusions they did. Andrew Lockheed says despite a year-long wait to get a report on changing the name of Dundas Street, he's happy the city staff seemed to be moving quickly on it. He says change is something we've needed for a long time. The many Black and Indigenous voices who have been calling for us to address the way our city remembers. The change, however, won't be happening anytime soon. The executive committee will consider the report next week before it goes to full council, and then a budget has to be sorted out, which staff say could surpass $3 million. Dave Woodard at Global News. So what are the implications? I mean, the city of Toronto clearly has made a decision about this. Dundas Street, of course, is a very long street that actually runs through a number of other municipalities in the GTA. Uh, but they're I'm just trying to count this morning about the number of towns or cities that have a Dundas Street in them. London, of course, has one that cuts right through town. Uh, Hamilton, well, the town of Dundas is part of the greater city of Hamilton. Uh, do we follow suit in situations like this? Uh, what are the implications long-term for this? John Best, the uh, publisher of the Bay Observer, joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Good morning, John. How are you today? I'm, I'm well, Bill. Good. I, I, I guess I'm not surprised by this. As uh, you know, We heard the story yesterday, and you started doing a little research into who Henry Dundas was. He's the gentleman that does these streets and that town, of course, were named after. Uh, and there's a history there, of course, uh, with the slavery and a history there with the aboriginal abuse that uh, obviously is, is what we're talking about these days. So were you surprised by this announcement? Well, I wasn't surprised by it, but uh, what, what surprised me, Bill, was uh, after I heard that uh, Meritori had made uh, this decision, I, I, I was writing up a story, and I thought, well, maybe I'd just throw in a little bit of the history. So I, I knew nothing about uh, Henry Dundas, so I, I just went online and, uh, and Googled him. And, and what amazed me was to discover that, in fact, he was an abolitionist. He, he was against slavery. And, uh, and, and no one argues that he, w- that he was against slavery, uh, and, and that one of his early efforts as a, as a lawyer was to actually defend uh, a slave in Scotland who was suing uh, to get his freedom. And, and he went to court, and he, uh, he uh, quotes, says, uh, quotes Dundas as saying, Human nature, my lord, spurns at the thought of slavery among any part of our species. He was successful. The man he defended uh, was freed. And as a result of that court decision, uh, uh, it was uh, declared illegal to hold slaves in Scotland. Uh, slavery in the British Empire had, was not outlawed. But So, so the guy starts off uh, getting a slave freed, and uh, and then we fast forward to uh, this uh, this 1792 thing that everybody is quoting. I saw somebody uh, online yesterday suggesting that he was responsible for 600,000 additional people being enslaved. Um, what happened was the the abolitionists uh, put forward a motion to abolish slavery in 1792, and it was defeated by a margin of two to one. And uh, so then they brought it back again a year a year or two later, and Dundas um, felt that it, it simply could not pass, and he thought it was more important to 
get something passed that had some kind of anti-slavery language. So he inserted the word gradual um, around the abolition, and that's the basis on which he's being vilified. He, he sincerely believed that there was absolutely no way that bill was going to get passed. It had been defeated by a two-to-one margin a year earlier. He wanted to get something on the books, and, and so that's the whole basis for this guy being a, a considered to be a slaver when, in fact, he was an abolitionist. And, and this is stuff that's readily available to anybody with a computer. So, I, you know, I'm just I'm having trouble understanding a year-long study uh, coming to the conclusion that, I mean, there's plenty of reasons to take his name down, not the least of which is he had absolutely zilch to do with Canada. He happened to be a personal friend of Governor General Simcoe, who decided to name a bunch of things for him. But he had no connection to Canada, and he was an anti-slaver. So, way you go, I guess. But, you know, City Manager Chris Murray in Toronto, and, and also Mayor Tory, when they were talking about this and their support for this, uh, mentioned that this was done in consultation with a number of, of uh, Indigenous groups and, and Black Lives Matter individuals, people are concerned about this, and, and it was on their request that he went and had, uh, they went ahead actually and did this. So, uh, where's, where's their angst coming from? I don't know where it's coming from, but if they, you know, Wikipedia, I mean, we're, we're not talking uh, rocket science here. Uh, no, there is a debate. There, there is a serious uh, academic debate as to whether his, whether his gradual uh, motion um, was a deliberate attempt to delay uh, abolition of slavery, or as he suggested, it was an attempt to get something on the books that they could build on uh, to abolish slavery. And there's, you know, so there's a big debate over that. But, um, you know, this is, I mean, we have many examples of tyrants and people in the past who do not deserve to be statued. This is a very nuanced case. And I'm, I'm just amazed that, uh, uh, that, that he's being singled out on you know, it, it's it's ambiguous at the best uh, of, of what his record is, um, and and his son, they're, they're not a son, a, a descendant of Bobby Dundas, uh, was interviewed by BBC, and he said any attempt to give people the idea he was in favor of slavery would be a profound injustice. Um, and and there's a professor quoted in the story that says. Henry Dundas inserted the word gradual into the legislative proposals to ensure it made it to a statute book and that slavery would ultimately be abolished. So, and there are academics who also argue that he, you know, he was simply um, um, trying to delay it, but it, it's certainly inconsistent with his record where he was on the record many times as being uh, an abolitionist. There's also a reference in the report uh, that was given to the Toronto City Council about this. Uh, says, I'll just read the line here. It's one line long. Uh, Dundas's role in the continued subjugation of Indigenous peoples in Canada in his capacity as British Home Secretary. Uh, that's what in the city release. Uh, I've looked this morning, John. I can't really find any more detail about that. It's, that's a rather broad statement. Uh, I understand he was the British Home Secretary, but I'm not sure what his role was uh, in the subjugation of Indigenous people. It didn't seem to have any details there well unless his role was to do nothing um uh, as hundreds or thousands of other people did i mean we're, we're going back into the 1700s now bill 
mm-hmm. uh, and people simply weren't as enlightened as they as they now claim to be. So uh, I I don't know. Uh, certainly in the biographies, and and this is cursory, Bill. So there there may be a scholar who can who can dig out something regarding his role um, on the Aboriginal file. But I've seen nothing. I mean, he's he's strongly identified with uh, with this whole uh, attempt to get abolition of slavery. Um, there, you know, I, I frankly don't intend to make a study of it. I haven't got time. But um, you know, if somebody can pull something out that shows that he took an active role in subjugating indigenous people, then we we have to factor that in. At least the the one thing about that is that at least it would have something to do with Canada. Because this man, you know, never set foot here. Um, was had you know his his friend named communities and streets and roads after him. But um, I don't think he knew a hell of a lot about Canada, to be honest. It's it's interesting uh, when they talk about you know the people that we have statued and, and named streets after and things of this nature too that uh from that era and, and i know the report talked about well they're usually just you know white men that do this well yeah because sadly there's the people that got elected or but that was it there's uh but as you start to read the, uh, some of the histories of this and i know john a mcdonald comes into this conversation certainly uh because of his a role with the residential schools and yes he did have a role in it uh but they point to the other side of john a mcdonald that he was actually he he, he as as a lawyer also defended uh, the rights of black people in canada he was one of the people that passed a law that said they can't be sent back to the states if they're found to be ex-slaves. Uh, he also was a very strong supporter of women's suffrage, uh, and their ban. That was years before that was a popular thing to do too. Uh, so when you look at the whole thing like that, it, you know, does one cancel out the other? I guess that's the question we have to ask ourselves about these historical figures. Well, I, I think what it tells you, Bill, is, uh, is that these figures uh, had a mixed record. Uh, and, and the other thing that, that just constantly gets ignored is they were creatures of their time. Um, one of the reasons there was a strong abolitionist movement uh, against slavery was because it was rooted in Christianity. It was uh, rooted in uh, a strong um, sort of an evangelical Christianity uh, was, was the big uh, one of the big forces that was uh, moving against slavery, both both in Britain and then years later in the United States. But it was that same kind of fervent Christianity that got you into residential schools, this belief that the Christian religion was superior to all others, and this notion that you, that you had a duty to, to try to convert people to Christianity. You know, it's, a, it's a, obviously a discarded, uh, discredited notion now, but, uh, you know, the same people that that were fighting, uh, you know, that believed that slavery was wrong, were also probably uh, would have been in favor of these assimilationist um, things that were uh, that turned out to be so tragic. Yeah, we had that discussion yesterday when uh, Reverend Michael Corn was on the program and talking about this, and I, I made that point about historically, and he says, well, that's changed now. You know, Christians don't necessarily do that when they go to other countries, uh, but they did then, and you're right. That was at the root of just about all of this right now, that they figured, you know, your culture, your life, uh, your religion is inferior to ours. We must change that and, and make you like us. You're going to speak our language. You're going to have the same religion, etc. and it was a ter- horrific thing uh, that, that really was the foundation for an awful lot of the abuses that we're talking about here. Well, and I, I think what all this this shows you uh, is is that um, we we really need to do our homework uh, on these things. I mean, uh, I'm I'm 
looking at uh, the McDonald and uh, Ryerson situations, and I I get the fact that if I'm an Indigenous person and I'm seeing a statue to somebody that um, that that was involved in setting up residential schools, so that that's a profound insult. Uh, so uh, you know, I have I have sensitivity to that. I I would prefer, I think. Um, that the sign that there be proper signage that that would provide the you know the the context but if that's not acceptable uh, like i'm not opposed uh on principle to the ripping down of these statues necessarily but this dundas thing seems to me uh, we're we're really looking we're you know it's a uh, uh, i don't know it, it just seems to me that it's not very solidly rooted in history um, there, there's a real argument there. Um, I, I think the good news as well is uh, we, we're more likely in this day and age to erect statues to sports figures than we are. I think mm-hmm. it's dangerous to, <laughs> it's proven dangerous to erect statues to any politician. Um, and uh, we don't do it anymore. Like, I, I don't think you'll ever see a statue to Justin Trudeau. Uh, I don't think you'll see a statue to Stephen Harper. Um, you know, I, I think we've kind of gone beyond that. I think people are, first of all, politics, I think, is more close to the people now. They see the flaws as they unfold, and we don't have to wait 150 years to find out what somebody was, uh, what they were really doing. You're absolutely right. I mean, the, the media scrutiny, and let's face it, I think the uh, the, the status of elected officials has, has descended considerably in the last couple of generations uh, simply because of, of that fact, that they're always on in the spotlight. Uh, you have to go looking to find the quotes of John A. Macdonald in Parliament about how he felt about uh, residential schools, and you weigh that against all the other stuff, and I, I share your feelings. I mean, if I had an Indigenous roots, I'd, and I get where they're coming from in situations like this. I mean, this is the guy that perpetrated it. Maybe he didn't, he didn't start them, but he certainly perpetrated them and, and supported them to, to the longest extent. Uh, but and, Dundas and is a bit of a they change. They were misguided, clearly, but at the time, uh, they actually thought they were doing a favor uh, to assimilate people. And, uh, of course, it was uh, tragically wrong-headed, but um, it, um, you know, it, it existed. Um, it was, you know, it was in, not only was it encouraged by the church, uh, by the churches, it was run by the churches. Yeah. So it's, it's comp, you know, as the movie title says, it's complicated. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to go through this period of, uh, revising our, our history and our heroes. And, uh, I'm not sure where it's going to end up. I think this Dundas thing, though, um, uh, really, uh, it looks like it's going to happen. So, it's a bit of a foolish move in my view, but uh, so be it. Um, well, like I said uh, at the beginning of our conversation, uh, does this engender a con- I know we're just about out of time here. Uh, does this start a conversation about the town of Dundas? Does it start about Dundas Street in London? About you know, There are so many different communities that have uh, Dundas as one of the street names there. And Dundas Square in downtown Toronto, that's going to have to change that too. Well, knowing as, the good folks in Dundas, they may meet their Waterloo on that one. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, it may never get to London, Bill. It may stop in Dundas, Ontario. It just may. You know, John, as always, thanks for this. Great talking with you again today. Uh, okay, Bill. Take care. John Best, publisher of the Bay Observer. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.